Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this Good Friday afternoon is from St. John's Gospel, chapter 19. We'll hear again these words. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of our God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. The cornerstone was laid in the year of our Lord, 1163. In 1177, the choir was completed. In 1182, the high altar was consecrated. In 1225, the western facade was finished. In 1240, the north tower. 1250 was a banner year in this building. The western towers, the northern rose window, and the south tower were all finished that year. And finally, in the year 1345, construction was declared complete. The great cathedral of Notre Dame was finally finished. It had taken almost 200 years to build it, and it has stood at the center of Paris for almost nine centuries. Until Monday. On Monday, something totally unexpected happened. 674 years after completion, much of that great cathedral was undone. The world watched in horror as it burned and its magnificent spire toppled in flames. And so now another completion date is going to have to be added to its timeline. Already hundreds of millions of dollars have been pledged for this rebuilding project. Experts are saying that it's probably going to take decades to finish it again. So when will that happen? When will Notre Dame once again be finished? On Good Friday, our Lord Jesus, just before he died, spoke three words of truth. Probably the most important three words that ever came out of his mouth. It is finished. We don't know if he shouted them in a great voice or if he spoke them in a low whisper as he struggled to catch his breath. Whichever it was, St. John was nearby. He heard those words and he recorded them. The only one of the gospel writers to do so and thank God that he did. Now whether Jesus shouted those words or whispered those words, they echoed everywhere. They echoed in earth, in heaven, even in hell, and they still echo today, bringing hope and peace and comfort to all who believe them. It is finished. But we have to ask exactly what is finished. I mean, was Jesus just simply declaring before he died, that's it, it's all over, I'm going to die now? That would be to state the incredibly obvious. No, there's definitely more to it than that. Than that. So we ask again, what is finished? In a word, everything. Everything that his Father sent him to do. Everything that was necessary for our salvation. 
you look at the top of our crucifix here at the front of God's house, you'll see a plaque that has four initials, I-N-R-I. And I noticed this afternoon with the Good Friday uh, pyramids on the altar, it's also printed there, I-N-R-I. Those initials stand for the Latin phrase that translates to Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Now we know very well that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, according to the prophecy, but Nazareth was considered to be his hometown because that's where Mary and Joseph were from. He was known as the son of Mary and Joseph, the carpenter's boy, or so everybody thought. But Jesus, of course, has a greater father. He is, after all, the Son of God. And even at the tender age of 12, Jesus knew who his father was and that his father had sent him to complete a truly great task. Remember Jesus at the temple saying to his incredulous and worried sick parents, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you understand that I had to be about my father's business? He was on a mission. About 18 years later, at his baptism, when Jesus was just beginning his public ministry, his father declared for the world to hear, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Well pleased. There was nothing wrong with our Lord Jesus. Nothing in him that could be criticized. Criticized Up to this point, the lamb without blemish or defect had truly lived up to that name. He was without sin. He fulfilled God's law. He obeyed every part of that law. He never sinned. And that was not about to change. He was on a mission. And throughout his ministry, Jesus always stayed on task, on that mission. His preaching, his teaching, his prayers, his miracles, all of them were centered on his mission. And just exactly, my friends, what was that mission? St. John gives us a beautiful and a useful summary. He says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. St. Paul adds his own beautiful and useful summary. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To destroy the devil's work, to save sinners, that was his mission. And so he came. And he was born of the virgin, our flesh and blood brother, our substitute under God's law, which he obeyed perfectly for us. And so he went. He went all the way to the cross, carrying our sins and the sins of the whole world in his own body, where he willingly sacrificed his innocent flesh and blood, where he willingly shed the blood of the God-man to pay for the sins of the world. He did all of this because that is what his father sent him to do. He was on a mission. In Gethsemane, we witnessed his resolve to carry out this mission. Not my will, but yours be done, he prayed to his father. The one whose very name knocked backwards a group of ruffians as if they had been hit with a sledgehammer. The one who could have called down to his side an army of angelic soldiers to protect him. The one who at any moment could have come down off of that cross and made mincemeat out of his enemies. Didn't. You see, he was on a mission. And he wasn't about to let anything stop him. He was going to finish his mission. 
Now for us, this mission is mission impossible. And what I mean by that is that simply put, Jesus did for us what we could never possibly hope to do for ourselves. We know that's true. But in spite of the truth of that statement, sometimes we sinners have trouble wrapping our minds around that truth. And perhaps that idea is true, especially for us fiercely independent Americans with our can-do spirit and our great desire to be masters of our own destiny. You see, there's a part of us that doesn't even want to wrap our minds around that truth. We like to think that we can help our Lord Jesus, that he needs our help, that he almost finished the job, but we have to add our own touches, our own flourishes to his great salvation project. The thinking can be subtle, even subliminal and subconscious, and it kind of goes like this. If, if I just pray a little bit harder, if I just obey a little bit better, if I just give a little bit more, if I just spend more time in God's house and in my Bible, then God will really, truly love me and he will bring more blessings into my life. You see, every one of us has deep down in our sinful nature a little voice. It's a little voice that theologians like to call the opinio legis. It's Latin. Theologians love Latin. It's Latin for the opinion of the law. You see, we have this little voice down in our sinful nature that says two things. It says, I must obey God's law. And then much more dangerously, I can obey God's law. You see, our old Adam just naturally looks at Jesus on the cross and says, No thanks, God. I prefer to get there on my own. No thanks. I think I can make it by myself, by my own good deeds. It's Satan who has planted this diabolical idea into the human heart. This stubborn pride that, that actually believes that by my own sacrifices, by my own choices, by my own good deeds and my general goodwill, I can actually deserve God's praise and a place in heaven. And to the sinful mind, this all makes sense because after all, as we've all learned, there is no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, if you think about it, in every other aspect of life, good deeds and good works receive praise and reward. But my friends, note it well. There is no quicker path to eternal death. There is no faster road to separation from God, from his goodness, from his grace, from his blessings, than standing before him on the basis of our own goodness, even in part. That will only end in disaster. Once again, on this Good Friday, our God points us to a better way. In fact, it is, it is the only way. He points us to the cross where our salvation was not just started, not just begun, not just made possible, but finished, done, completed, 100%. And my friends, realize what this means. The hellish suffering that Jesus endured for the sins of the world, finished. God's righteous anger over sin, finished. The full payment demanded by a holy God for all of those sins, finished. And that means Satan's accusations against us, 
finished, and guilty consciences finished, and the impossible burden of trying to save ourselves finished, the sting of death and the fear of hell finished, everything necessary for my salvation, Jesus has finished, and so every result that comes from sin is also finished. It's all washed away in the blood of God's one and only Son. And let me give you on this Good Friday afternoon one more assurance that Jesus' work really is complete for us. Luke records for us the very last words that our Lord Jesus spoke from the cross. Right after he said, it is finished, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now earlier Jesus had cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice that once again he calls God his Father. You see, the pain and loneliness of hell are now past. The relationship with God is restored. God once again turns his face toward his son and smiles upon him. The punishment was over. The sacrifice accepted. Father and son were at peace once again. And realize what this means for you. Your punishment is over. God is not... He is not going to punish you for your sins. That boat has sailed because, you see, God already punished you for your sins. Every last one of them, 2,000 years ago, when he punished his one and only Son in your place. And therefore, you too have peace with your Heavenly Father. Through faith in Jesus Christ, who completed his work for you, you are holy and innocent in God's eyes, dressed in the robes of Jesus' holiness, his dear son or daughter, adopted into the Father's family through faith, worked in you in baptism, forgiven for every last sin and an heir of eternal life. On Monday, the Cathedral of Notre Dame was undone, unfinished, at least a part of it. All that beautiful architecture and craftsmanship which had stood for so many centuries went up in smoke and was gone. Be assured, my dear friends, that Jesus' saving work on our behalf is never, ever going to go up in smoke. Nothing, nothing will ever undo the work that our Lord Jesus did for us. There is not going to need to be another completion date. It is finished. His masterpiece is finished. And it will always be finished. And my friends, because it is finished, one day when we die, life will not be finished. It will just be beginning. Thanks be to God for these three words of truth. And thanks be to God for the Savior who spoke them. Amen.